You're listening to And what is poppin', everybody? You are listening to the Good Pop Culture Club, episode 173, Turkey Day edition. It is Turkey Day today, if I manage to get this episode out on Thursday, um, <laughs> November the 23rd. Um, Jess Han, happy Turkey Day. Happy Turkey Day. Um, you know, disclaimer, we know it's a holiday rooted in genocidal violence. Not great, but you get the day off. Yeah, I mean, that's why I call it Turkey Day, because I'm viewing it as a harvest festival, which is something all cultures are familiar with, um, and detaching it from that um, kind of horrifying genocidal history. Happy Turkey Day! Gobble, gobble. <laughs> gobble, gobble. Do you yeah. eat turkey, though? No I one do. likes turkey. I, I love turkey. I like turkey a lot. Oh, what though. the fuck is wrong with it, you? Especially guys? smoked oh, I, turkey. Two to one, so what the fuck is wrong with you? Jess? No, but turkey is not a, <laughs> is not the superior meat in any context. I'm sorry. Why do, I'm why not, do I'm I not need sorry. a superior meat? Like, because life is short and you shouldn't but, eat. But chicken would never be considered a superior meat. And I, I eat a lot of chicken. I, I think a roast chicken is delicious. A turkey. Mm, it is mm. delicious, but I don't think it's superior. That <laughs> hot take, of course, comes from our own <laughs> once in future and current. Once again, professional Asian American, just you. Hello, Marvin. I stand by it. I no one no one wants turkey. We're not I'm not eating a turkey this year, but we have like every other kind of meat represented. So I do enjoy a good turkey. And this year I am using um Kenji Alt Lopez's um recipe mm. um that involves using a pizza stone um to more evenly cook the leg meat while the breast is cooking. I'm very excited to in- introduce like science-based cooking to my techniques this year. Uh-huh. I'm doing a dry brine. I'm really excited. Very excited. So- I bought I bought the, the salt. The diamond salt for it. Yeah. So if it's delicious, you're just going to be like, you can thank science. Yeah. That <laughs> voice, of course, on the side of good is our own professional coach editor, Han Win. Hey. hey, Han. <laughs> hey. I'm actually working on Turkey Day, so. Uh, oh, no. Which is yeah. which is terrible. I'm so sorry. So I, I'm making myself a turkey chili. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Yeah. Just are you in charge of dinner this year? No, thank God. I usually cook, but I have now have new family being oh, married right. woman. What? So I'm going to a Thanksgiving, oh. which is really fun. And they cook very a lot of things um, and a lot of yummy things. And my, my sister-in-law, Kay, is a very good cook. And my father-in-law does like a whole rib rack, like a roast rib thing. It, it's good. It's like it's like a good... You know- I don't think I've ever attended Filipino Thanksgiving. I've only been to Chinese things, Chinese American Thanksgiving, which is its own kind of weird beast. No, no, like I do a very like American white Thanksgiving. There's no Chinese food usually at Thanksgiving because I'm like cause like when I cosplay, I go a hundred percent. Like I do oh. Chinese food every other day of the year. Oh. So for this is like I'm doing shit like oyster stuffing, oh, wow. which is delicious. I do like. I make I usually make everything from scratch, but I don't have to this year. And that is so I am so excited. I get to relax. Um, I am bringing a pie, which is very manageable. Uh, Right. So my family does. We don't do mashed potatoes. Instead, we do like the Asian potato salad. You know, what I'm talking about the Asian version of potato salad. Oh, no. Um, And (laughs) um, no, it's good. I like it. Mashed potatoes are good, too. My my wife's family 
does the mashed potatoes and they yeah. add the, they they do theirs with cream cheese which is pretty 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 tasty. So my biggest issue with Thanksgiving usually is that I need something acidic to cut through all of the creaminess <laughs> and the fattiness and whatever. So that's where like my friends who often, you know, just serve kimchi alongside of it, like that I can get down with. <laughs> but um yeah, that's the one thing I feel is missing and cranberry sauce ah. doesn't really cut it. I always have cranberry sauce, homemade cranberry sauce. And I like to try, usually when I cook, I throw a vegetable in there, like a, mm. a vegetable that isn't smothered yeah, or, you know or not, covered uh, in like mushroom soup. Yeah, yeah. You know what's not on any of my tables? Any casseroles. We don't, we oh. don't do casseroles. In, oh, I in love a good casserole. I usually, I usually do green beans, but I dress it with like lemon juice and stuff to get extra acidity. Oh. Um, and it's fresh, right? Not like casseroled. Um, I don't mind casseroles as long as it's not actually a vegetable-y one. Um, like if it's a noodle like a or something. Like a tuna casserole or like a... Right, right. Because I think vegetables, when they become mush, I don't like that. I like texture mm. in my veggies. Yeah, we like fresh veggies. Yeah. Um, something that was solely missing, I think I mentioned this, when I was in Europe. Were, were oh, gosh, veggies. yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Anyways, we're not here to wax poetic about our Thanksgiving adventures and... Whew, I'm preparing two dinners this year, so it's gonna be it's gonna be quite a few days. Um, we are here to talk about the new Netflix animated series Blue Eye Samurai um, that's streaming now about a um, half white, half Japanese swordsman on her path to revenge um, against um, against white people. I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, technically. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get to that, let's find out what pop culture is beginning us through this Thanksgiving week. Um, let's start with Jess. What is popping? So for the last few weeks, I have been I've spent significant hours. I think like I've logged over a hundred hours on this game. Um, and you're like, Jess, is it some very like deep, intensive open world thing? No, no, it's not. It's power wash simulator. Guess what you do in power wash simulator? You power wash. <laughs> That's all there is to this game. Uh, it is a game on available on Steam and the Switch. And it's it's like it's like a first person shooter, but you wash things. It is like putting your brain in a massage chair like that is like the only that's the best i can get like it zens it's very zen um if you are a, a have a little ocd tendencies or like are like likes to scrub things like if you like mm. you know like those pimple popping videos or like cleaning videos online this is the game for you i don't have much more to say than that other than if you have are someone with a lot of anxiety um and like a lot of thoughts racing through your brain and you need to be doing something to kind of calm down you can't just like sit and calm down i would recommend checking out power wash simulator <laughs> i've seen this game get played on some of the streamers that i follow on, on youtube and twitch and it does seem like the perfect type of just chill out game and i do i did notice that they do have like dlc like cross promos with other yes uh, media. they're so pretty fun i think so the most one recent is, one is the delorean right from back to the future th there's a back to watch. the future one you can power they have a spongebob dlc they have a <laughs> laura croft dlc you can clean her house that's fun um but you know it doesn't really matter what you're cleaning it's 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 the journey the the the, the journey is the cleaning along the way and it is, um, it is very, I mean, like there's literally no story. There's no stakes. <laughs> you just, you just clean, you just spray. I will say the one thing is it does, it can 
give give you motion sickness. Oh. But then all you need to do is ask for a pair no. of those motion sickness goggles for Christmas and you've solved the problem. But there's so no there like go. underlying like existential story because there's this other, there's this other game that's kind of similar called Heart Space Shipbreaker where you play as a someone who like breaks down starships um for no. for a living. But the premise is you sold your your body to the company under contract, and so you have to work off your debt. Mm-hmm. And so there's an underlying unionization story as you break down these ships. Um, no, I mean there's like little like <laughs> fl- character flavoring, but that's not that you don't need to read. I I ignore story all the time. That's like a <laughs> writing joke with me and my husband. He's like, you really do not care. I was like, I really do not care. I was like, just just the gameplay just has to be good. Um, and so, you know, there's like some jokes in there, but you just, you just go in and you clean, you don't have a face. You're just like a person in PPE and you know, you buy different tools, you squirt, squirt some water over some moss and and that's the game. You know, sometimes you just need to. That's what you need. I know. Not very good. (laughs) Not very good for podcast content, but I mean, mean, it kind of feels like it's the same as like working, say like a retail job or working like food service like it's just sometimes you just need repetitive tasks to turn your brain off and get through the day and make maybe make some money except you're not making money maybe you should you well, should... well you make money in the game <laughs> um and then you can buy to, to use buy that better to power re- washing to, tools yes to buy better washing power tools and to buy like cleaning solution which is also like what i do in my real life so you know does art imitate life yeah or does life imitate art who knows but uh yes it's it's a lot less tiring than cleaning in real life <laughs> though i do kind of want a real power washer now i don't have a lot of things to power wash that does sound like it would be pretty cool yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's tons of things that I want to play this season. There's the new Mario game that looks trippy as all heck. Um, oh, there's a it's, new it's too much stimulus game. for me. <laughs> the, uh, the the Mario game is, is you, it's very cute. You could be an elephant, but like yeah. it's too many things going on at the same time. Like my little, my and flat a, brain can't handle that. And it's a real dangerous time right now because Black Friday sales are on all the e-stores. Mm. So a lot of games are... You should get it. You you cheap. deserve it, Marvin. <laughs> I don't think Mario is on sale, though. Mario will never... I mean, Nintendo... No, like, Nintendo will never will be never on, on sale. sale. Absolutely not. <laughs> so... Yeah. <sighs> well, Han, what's popping with you? Uh, So... I'm finally, finally, finally trying to get back into anime. Very, you know, lightly testing the waters. I got a Crunchyroll account. Yeah. Uh, yes, it's a press account. So <laughs> I am going to have to figure out some sort of coverage for anime. But um, unfortunately, I did not catch up in time with Attack on Titan in order to try to catch the finale, which I heard crashed the Crunchyroll servers. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, but, you know, uh, maybe that's for the best. Uh, so anyway, the, the series I'm going to mention is Spy Family. Spy X Family is the way yeah. it's styled. Um, I I started out with this because it's very, even though it says spy, you can also tell that it's very domestic type of uh, series. Basically, a guy named uh, Lloyd Forger, and Lloyd spelled L-O-I-D. Uh, he's a spy and he needs to catch another dude. And um, the way he's going to do that is to pretend he is part of a family to infiltrate. Um, and so he needs to, you know, get a family because why do spies have families? You know, don't pay attention to the Americans. Um mm-hmm. 
But uh, so he needs to he uh, the first episode is him trying to find a kid. He goes to, of course, like some sort of orphanage, foster home, gets a kid that they don't want. And it turns out uh, he doesn't know this, but we do that. Uh, she is a telepath. Um with pink hair um and then uh second episode he has to find a wife and somehow he lands upon someone who unbeknownst to him but of course we know is an assassin um so it's it's kind of delightful um in and very sort of e- a good easing back into anime for me uh i i i definitely like a lot more, you know, maybe fighting and stuff like that um, and some other harder themes. But I think this was good just to kind of lightly watch a couple episodes and not feel too involved because I'm a, I'm watching like 17 shows at once right oh now. So so it's kind of like, oh, I'm glad I can watch maybe a couple episodes and just put it down. Um, but yes, I will. Um, so anyway, I know it's in the second season already. I'm only in the first season. Um, and it's, you know, I, the other reason why I want to try it was it is still current um, instead of like, let's say, trying to catch up on One Piece. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I thought it was doable. It's it's delightful so far. It's kind of pure. It has some some themes that are, you know, sad because, you know, the, the woman that he gets as a wife, um, one of the reasons why she gets sort of involved with him is also because at her workplace everyone just laughs at her for being single which i'm just like is this set in like the early 2000s but then again it's <laughs> it's japan so i was like Ugh, i get it she's only 27 and then she's getting this flack whatever <laughs> um but it's still enjoyable uh animation is very cute i know it's based on a manga i haven't read the manga uh i feel like if i get it back into like manga it's just gonna open up way too many doors so we'll we'll see like i have to ease into that too um, yeah but yeah yeah so far, I mean, so my good. family right now is one of the most popular seasonal animes and i think hon if you're gonna get back to the anime i would stick to the seasonal shows so you don't have to dig into like a oh. catalog of a thousand episodes like seasonal yeah. episode shows are like seasonal tv it's like 12 to 24 episodes per per season yeah. usually split by course which is are 12 episode chunks um which are much easier to get into and get out of um the the main issue is most of these seasonal shows are all still based on ongoing series so you're always left <laughs> with like a cliffhanger but usually they close at a pretty good arc uh, but yeah i think spy family i think it takes place in a fictional europe modeled yes. after post-war germany so there's the east side and the west side that are against each other and like, one of the funny dynamics is like none of the family members know each other's secret identities and the wife your actually works for the rival government of Lloyd's spy agency. So it's kind of like yes. a Mr. and Mrs. Smith, but filled with, um, this is more of a comedy anime too. It's more about hijinks than anything yes. else, but it's animated by Wit and Clover Work Studios, which um, I think Wit is known for their action. So the episodes that Wit animates tend to be more action focused. You get to see like kind of some really cool, like what they call Kino graphics, which is kind of fun too. I can see that. Yeah. The only one who kind of knows a little bit of what's going on is the daughter, Anya, because she can read minds. But she yeah. seems to be just wanting a family anyway. But she's so. also five and, and kind of an idiot. So that's right, where right. the comedy comes from. She, she's, she's entertaining. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So, so far, I, I like it. I I'm, I will take any other recommendations, of course. Um, but like I started just scrolling through my country roll and I was like, oh, I'm I'm saving too many for my, you know, to be watched. <laughs> Um, yeah but yeah enjoying it so anyway that's me uh well it looks like i'm getting a recommendation soon yeah. um marvin what's popping with you 
I have, so this season of anime is actually pretty strong. There's a lot of really strong shows ranging from shows that are kind of trash, but good trash to shows that are like actually legitimately good. And so I do have a couple that I want to go through the next couple of weeks. But the first one is called uh, The Apothecary Diaries, which is mm. based on a light novel series that also has a manga adaptation as well. Um, mm. Two of them, actually. One of them was canceled. Another one took over um, later on. But um, so basically the premise is um, this is a story set in a fictional uh, alternate universe version of Ming era China. So I think like, you know, long flowing robes and top knots and long hair, right, for the dudes. Um, it takes place in the imperial palace of this period um, where the emperor's consorts live. And so our main character is a girl named Mao Mao who grew up being trained to be an apothecary, which is kind of like, you know, like, a, pharmacist? like a pharmacist slash chemist, <laughs> right? Um, who yeah, has yeah. an obsession with poisons. Like she, her quirk is she just loves poisons. She loves testing poisons <laughs> herself. She She's loves, just like, quirky. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and then one day she gets kidnapped and is sold into service into the palace. So, mm. and you know, she kind of goes with it because that's kind of you know being a woman during this time period. You're kind of at the whim of men and the economy, right? Mm. Um, and the story follows her adventures in um, the palace, where she tries to keep a low profile, but inadvertently gets pulled into medical mysteries, where she uses Ooh. her abilities <laughs> as a apothecary to solve. Nice. Um, so, in the first episode, she accidentally distinguishes herself when she solves the mystery of why the babies keep dying. Um, and it turns out to be lead in the, the makeup of the consorts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then as a result, she gets promoted to a lady in waiting for one of the consorts um, and into the purview of the head eunuch, who may or may not be an actual eunuch um, because he's mm. too hot and may or may not be Ooh, a Oh, I Always. love a hot eunuch. <laughs> oh, yeah. Always. The yeah. dream. Fake eunuch. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. It's like House MD, but with Chinese imperial court drama. And instead of mm. a curmudgeon-y um, doctor, you have like a quirky, poison-obsessed um, girl. <laughs> She's so quirky. <laughs> oh, but when I'm obsessed with poison, I'm murderous. Ugh, unfair. <laughs> and okay. she's voiced by Aoi Yuki, who, if you mm-hmm. know her as a voice actress, like voices these types of characters really, really well. Um, so, yeah, it's one of the three shows that I'm following this season. Um Pretty closely. Um, I'm having a lot of fun with it. Animation is really like for a Chinese inspired historical period um, mm-hmm. anime. The animation is really good. Like there's mm-hmm. a ton of frames um, and lots of flowing. Like, the ropes actually flow as they move. It's, it's pretty cool. So um, I think it's a show that you might really like, Han, because it, I know you like the period dramas, right? Yeah. And it, <laughs> it, and especially when it definitely deals with gender things. Um, I just added it to my watch list. Yeah. While you were talking, because I was like, <laughs> okay, I need something else. Um, having a lot of fun this anime season. So you're joining at a good time, Han. Yay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I might as well commit to not watching anything that I really need to for work, right? So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I actually, it it does take me back. I, I think there's something about, first of all, just the Japanese language, because I grew up on listening to that while I was watching, you know, uh, sort of, uh, what's it called? Pirated anime. <laughs> um and just the styles and just the way of speaking and everything is just kind of is bringing me back so i've been enjoying it yeah the one thing i will kind of just comment on is even though these shows are really well made um they aren't immune from your typical anime bullshit so (laughs) there is there are scenes where girls compare each other's boob sizes um (sighs) which is common in all anime even like 
prestige version ones like this. Um, yeah. It is less um, overt and icky, uh, but it's still there. And it's just something that you have to um, accept as an anime watcher that these types of things will just inevitably um, show up. Much like when you're watching prestige fantasy, you're going to see boobies and peepees, like yeah. what we'll talk about later. <laughs> but yep. yeah. That's what's popping uh, for this week. Um, very anime heavy. I'm excited. <laughs> Welcome, Han, to the Ish. anime side. Yay. Glad to be back. <laughs> now I got to get you to watch some War Crime Mecha. And mm. we're all good. Yeah. You, you know, like, because I grew up with two brothers, that was probably most of the stuff I watched as a kid. <laughs> um, I think on occasion, just because we were limited as far as access, we would occasionally get the uh, fantasy slash romancy ones. So, mm. uh, like you know, you fall into a, a pool and you become the animal that was in there last. Um, oh, yeah, and if half. yes, there you yeah. go. <laughs> I'm glad you know it. But yes, uh, and I don't think we watched any of like the Sailor Moon types. But yeah, only on occasion. But most of it was like Mecca and and yeah. war. And, I mean, if you uh, watched it here in the states, they got super censored, right? Because um, like original Sailor Moon got pretty sapphic towards like that, that's probably why <laughs> extremely yes I mean the the edited versions is probably why I didn't watch any of them because <laughs> they were also heavily dubbed and I think the dubbing back then was really awful mm. so I always prefer to listen to it in Japanese if even if sometimes there weren't subtitles um, yeah. but I, I of course dubbing now is like so much better <laughs> <laughs> yeah looking forward to chatting more about anime with you on this podcast but when we come back we're not talking about anime though we are talking about animation um Blue samurai when we come back stick around hi i'm charlene k i'm a musician songwriter and guitarist growing up i loved music whether it was pop acoustic emo i ate it all up but as a Chinese-American kid living in Scottsdale, Arizona, I also felt isolated, never really seeing artists who looked like me or shared my experiences. So after years of performing on stages all over the world, I wanted to create a space to highlight the amazing Asian musicians who I knew were out there, just not always getting played on the radio. That's why I started Golden Hour, a podcast where Asian singers, songwriters, instrumentalists, and music producers share their personal stories. And it's a space for you to discover your new favorite artist. Listen to Golden Hour with me, Charlene Kay, wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Hey, Ryan, what's black and white and red all over? I don't know, Ramen. Two nuns having a chainsaw fight? Dude, inappropriate. Come on, man. This is supposed to be a podcast promo for our secret underground podcast, Quarantine Comics. Oh, yes. Quarantine Comics, the weekly comic book club where I, ace reporter Ryan Joe, and I, mild-mannered Ramen Sutton, team up to discuss some of comics' greatest works. Or just some really cool comics that we've been wanting to read. From Alan Moore to Uzumaki. From Arrakis to Zendaya. From Adrian Tomine to Jean Lun Yang. You might not have heard of half the stuff that we're reading. Or the other half is just pop culture superhero stuff. They could just read the books with us, right? Yes, they could do that, but you could also just send us money. No, Ryan, that's not how passion podcast projects work. Why in the hell are we even doing this? Uh, I'm sure we'll be back by next week's episode. <clears throat> so, tune in each week to Quarantine Comics. That's qtdcomics.com. Set phasers to fun.
And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. On this episode, we are discussing Blue Eye Samurai, a new American adult animated action series um, created and written by husband and wife duo Michael Green and, and Amber Noizumi, um, animated by French uh, animation studio Blue Spirit, and starring a ton of Asian American voices, including Maya Erskine, Darren Barnett, uh, Masi Oka, George Takei, Brenda Song, Randall Park, Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa, um, and noted non Asian actor. Um, Kenneth Branagh. Um, <laughs> the, the show. T- <laughs> I mean, he was great at it. I'm not gonna lie, yeah. he was great. For, he killed for, it for excellent reasons. Yes. <laughs> um, the show takes place during Japan's Edo period and follows a mixed race um, Japanese swordsmaster Mizu as she sets off on a quest for vengeance against four white men who illegally remained in Japan during the closing of its borders during the Tokugawa shogunate. Uh, one of whom might just be her father. So yeah. What did we think of Blue Eye Samurai? I mean, I texted you guys earlier today. I was like, can't wait to talk about this one. Got a lot of opinions. Um, so we'll, I'll, I'll get the ball rolling. It's technically very interesting and fun. And technically, I mean, like, I think the animation style is great. Uh, very interesting. I think the voice talent is great. And like, it's really fun hearing a lot of familiar folks playing very different roles than they usually get to play. Um, and I actually think like there's a lot of elements of like writing and like, you know, the structure of a revenge story. It's, it's all very interestingly, entertainingly done. But, and very big but here, there is just something that like icks me out because it inherently is a show about Japanese people made by non-Japanese people and it is affected by a lot of those sins through of that filter um and we could deep dive into that later yeah. so so it's this weird thing where I'm like oh these characters are interesting I'd love to see how the story I'm like that's a great arc but then the entire time as my brain is like yeah. clocking that I'm like that's gross. Um, yeah, we're definitely <laughs> cursed by the awareness of being in this industry for enough yeah. to like be aware of everything. Well, yeah. So I would kind of just add on to that. Like, totally agree. There's so many good things about this. Like, I was very happy with the fight choreography. I was happy with some of the sort of like the animation style when it comes to like the callbacks, you know, to the way the blood looks, you know, <laughs> anyone yes. who's, you know, watched that old stuff when it's the red, the, the blood is too red and it splashes a certain way. <laughs> and it's just like it, all good things. Um, yes. The fact that it is a, you know, I, this is not a surprise. This is a woman, you know, who dresses as a man and goes up against men is an interesting thing for me because as you might remember from my Marvel rants, when they have to sort of make a female villain all of a sudden, just so that the female uh, protagonist has someone to fight, that kind of pisses me off. Um, But as we were kind of discussing when it comes to anime, you take certain beats and things like that into account because you know that Japanese feel. And sometimes that's for the good and sometimes that's for the bad. And so while you're watching this, there's like a weird dissonance in your brain because you're like, this is Japanese story, but it's definitely American (laughs) Um, the way it's presented. So there's like some things in there that was like, oh, that felt a little weird or like off. It's 
it's inconsistent. It's trying to place mm-hmm. modern and Western yes. values yes. onto a historical Japanese setting, which doesn't really work for me. And I think that's where it's like the most guilty of the like the icky passive aggressive racist like the like the it, microaggressions in that. I think it's, it's called anachronistic, right? That's the that's the word or it's which well, for time period, but we also have the Western land, which which is like othering. And so like I, I no, I agree there were a few moments and we can mention those specifics later, but um I think this is also something that as people who are Asian Americans, like yes, we are now trained because we are in this industry to kind of see these things. But just the average, let's say, Asian-American may not see these things. Um, And it was interesting to me because um, I had uh, uh, Nancy Wang-Yoon did an interview with Amber Noizumi for Salon. And so she did say certain things that I was like, ah, that makes sense to me. Because when she was, um, she had a child and this child had blue eyes and she was very excited. And then she, you know, and her husband was like, eh. And so she was like, well, why am I so excited that my child has blue eyes? And that sort of shows sort of that sort of Western um, lens through how we, you know, are raised and what we value. And so she kind of had to like, maybe probe that sort of way of thinking of being, about being raised in the West. So there's so many things that like she didn't even know about herself that she couldn't like put away. And I think those are some of the things that we see in the storytelling um, that that kind of like created sort of this like film <laughs> across it that sometimes it was okay. And other times I was like, huh? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, exploration <laughs> of being in between um, cultures mm-hmm. and ethnicities. And that's definitely something that, you know, we experience as Asian Americans and especially those of us who are, you know, mixed race, um, because there is that like that disconnect um, with with both sides that causes that dissonance. Right. And I mean, my personal feelings about this is like I'm I've been really happy with Netflix's lean into animation as a medium for prestige TV. Right. Things like mm-hmm. Arcane mm-hmm. And, and like this show, like it's something that I've always wished we had more in the West specifically where animation is usually reserved for children's um, media. Yes. Um, and, and the reason why I've, I've been an anime fan for such a long time, because anime has lived in this realm for, for decades. Right. And I definitely did appreciate at the very least the representation in the cast and crew, like the cast is mostly Asian, Asian American plain Asian characters. Um, well, there's the a lot one... of biracial character, biracial actors mm-hmm. too, which is yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, Maya Erskine, Mizu, the yeah. main character is biracial, as is Maya Erskine. Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, and Darren Barnett, Barnett. who is biracial, yeah. his character is not. But I'm like, like mm-hmm. that's very interesting. But my thing is like, yo, if a central and I disclaimer, I am not biracial, so of course, like, I would love to hear that perspective of of someone who writes like a deeper thought piece. But my honestly, I don't think there's a deeper thought piece because, but like you made that a core. You made that a core point in the show, the story, the character. Like she is an outsider because she's mixed race. She pre- faces a lot of prejudice, um, and you know her. Even inside, she has to like deal with what that means. And obviously, there's an element of like the origins. You know, we can only assume, and she can only assume that this is a like her origins. Her conception was violent, 
um, like as a result of sexual violence, which yes. is like a woman's like a whole nother like we could talk about all the sexual violence things in this later. But like if your core tenant, if your core character choice trait is like this, like angst of being of, of what it means to be a biracial person, like. I don't feel like it gave us that much internality to the experience other than like some pretty clunky metaphors about forging swords. Yeah. I mean, definitely the. <laughs> it's like, that's the deepest you can get. Like, what is the point of making your character this? And also like, yeah, ha- getting a very talented, like biracial cast on board and I- then not like even down to some of the recurring characters like Patrick Gallagher, Mark Dacascos, like, and then yeah. just not part yeah, of I definitely me- feel like yeah. you need more than just, Hey, look, Asians can be racist too. Right? I, yeah. Part of me feels like this is, I mean, they haven't announced the second season yet, but part of me feels like this is an ongoing sort of journey conversation with her, uh, for her. So I'm, I am like, have the hopes that there will be more into this conversation than what we've seen. Um, because like right now, I think, besides just feeling like not accepted uh her central you know like drive is revenge yeah and so maybe angry yeah and i think this is what we find with a lot of revenge stories is that there is not a lot of character development until they either get closer to the actual revenge or accomplish the revenge and then they feel then they realize wait i still have problems i feel empty still or whatever (laughs) so uh, that's but, the you only know, thing if, if I'm hoping. If you're, yeah, but I'm like, if you're not at that point where you can get there, like maybe, maybe, what's it like to hire that out, get some more folks? Because it's interesting how the credits are listed for writing. So they get, you know, Michael and Amber get shared writing credit, but the order of which their name appears changes. Mm. So I'm going to, and Amber wrote one episode by herself. Yeah. So I'm going to assume that the ones with Amber ahead is more her charge. I, I mean, who knows? That's my that's my guess. Um, but you know, like it's it's mostly Michael, mm-hmm. who is not Japanese, who is not biracial, who is not a woman, and that just sounds you know. I wrote <laughs> in the did I write did I write in the notes? I did yeah. write. Can you? Can a story, can a sexual revenge woman vengeance story be told by a man? Question mark. <laughs> well, my my thinking is this. When when his name is first, I think it's because he's literally the one writing it. But I don't necessarily think he's doing the story on his own. So that's the only thing I would say is because probably just because he has more experience writing. Um, but at the same time, we don't I actually don't know. That because I did notice the flip names every now and then. So I was yeah. like, was that a coin flip or was it like I'm the lead writer on this but, particular script? But, so, yeah, I, I'm but for not me, cl- like so and many of the choices and yeah. some, but so many of the choices, even outside of the writing, outside of the story, some of these choices, I'm just like, it feels like and I mean this as disrespectfully as possible. <laughs> it feels like this is a riff off a Quentin Tarantino thing mm-hmm. instead of a riff off a samurai thing. Or a riff off of revenge yeah. thing, you know, like it's it's a riff off another riff. Like Quentin Tarantino to me is already like the penultimate like white guy otaku, like fetishing Asian people and feet and women. <laughs> um, so it's like they're doing a they're part they're large, large chunks of this show that feel like they're homaging Kill Bill instead of homaging like 
a samurai film. I mean, they literally play the Kill Bill song during the Yeah, and there's just points where, like, there are there are points of this. I just forward it. I'm like, this is some white man bullshit. Like, I can't, I can't do this. That being said, I do like a good revenge story, and I do enjoy the angry, revenge-driven main character. And I think that part of the story worked for me. Just this person being angry and not listening to anybody, like. I kind of love those tropes. And this show does invoke a lot of things that I typically enjoy, like, you know, cool sword fighting action, cross-dressing heroine, um, you know, commenting on conservative Asian views on women is a topic that is being has been addressed in a lot of like contemporary um, novels about like historical or fantasy versions of Asia. But the way that they all come together in this show, like while I did, I think overall enjoyed it, there are definitely parts where I felt like the vibes are a little off. And I think you guys are feeling that yeah, too. And I definitely I mean, felt, ugh, it definitely felt similar to when I was watching Netflix's Marco Polo, which is this oh, is a show yes. that I should mm-hmm. like it on all levels because of the representation, because of the stories that are being told, but it still feels like it's not like, honestly, it feels like, it feels like when I watch that episode of warrior and I'm like, mm-hmm. I should like all these things. And it's like Asian people doing cool shit, but mm-hmm. like my bullshit meter is going mm-hmm. off. Mm-hmm. And I can tell that it's like, like, look, I love a revenge thing, too, which is almost why I'm mad because mm-hmm. I'm like, I should like I should be eating this up. Like, I should be eating well and I should be enjoying like this, you know, woman, this Asian woman being, you know, just like getting in, you know, giving instant karma to these bitches. But, you know, again, so much of this is set in this like the reality of like what it means to live in this like misogynistic and, you know, patriarchal world but I think there's a way to show that without exploiting like female characters as much as like like and putting them like just random female situations in in this world, even though they're like animated characters. <laughs> it's like it's not fun to for me. It's not fun spending my downtime entertainment time like being shown over and over again how much it sucks to be a woman. I'm like, yes, I know. Like. Do you also need do you need to show it to me and tell it to me? It's like it's like imagining Game of Thrones with only like the cuts of like the sexual violence. Yeah. It's like what the fuck? Like and then <laughs> I mean we were talking about anime bullshit earlier about how like you can't escape from that, right? And I feel like this show you don't have anime bullshit, but you have American prestige bullshit, right? You have like the we must have boobies and sex in like every yes. other episode. And, th- and but then there's that extra baggage or the extra layer of it being like a culture that's not even like your quote unquote yours. Mm-hmm. So like when you watch Game of Thrones and it's set in a patriarchal, misogynistic, you know, historical but historical but like fantasy world, you like you know in the western world or a western audience which i i include us in that we were Mm -hmm. raised in the west Mm -hmm. like we understand where like the dichotomy where the difference where the creative liberties where the exaggerations are but like you know i think there's an extra like there's like there's a level of like sinisterness as a viewer when you you remove it from like a regular context or, or like a western context a fantasy context that is like everyone knows like everyone in America knows and then putting it in like a version of historical Japan. And like, like we barely know history. You think these bitches going to know the history of the Shogunate and like Edo period and why they closed off? Like they kind of try, but it's not deep enough. And I'm like, and like everything that the 
I, I was so like perturbed by some of these things. I did like Google, like if there's any like extra writing and like just the way they said, like they were trying to think of like a reverse flip where like being biracial, but being in a homogenous Japan. And then like, you know what that would be like. I'm like, yeah, they closed off because like they didn't want these fucking colonizers to come and like fuck up their shit. Like it's not the same. I think they compared like, like Edo Japan to like, make America great Trump era mm. America. And I'm like, it's no. not the fucking same. <laughs> like you can't just nope. like, that's what pisses me off. I'm like, mm. you're like inflict, you're putting these like Western values on a society, a history, a people, a culture that like your audience really doesn't know much about to begin with. Mm-hmm. And then like saying, making judgment calls of what's good or bad. Yeah. I mean, one of the strongest parts of the show for me was the villain played by Kenneth Branagh. Um, what was his name? Like Ajiba Fowler, who I, is like, he's like a version in the mold of like the bad guy from RRR, like yeah. the evil imperialist capitalist. But only this version has no has no illusion about what he does and what he is. Right. I am here to exploit you, to push our economic values onto you and to extract as much as I can. And that's just how the British people are. We are good at making stuff to kill people and we're good at extracting um, value from uh, from colonies. And I thought like all the scenes with Kenneth Branagh were like, like it was like deliciously evil but in like a, a sickening way right i thought he was great and that, yeah. that's like that's almost like the annoying thing like there's some really great moments in this show some really great characters like i think brenda song's princess akemi is one of the most fun asian and let's be real like asian american coded characters mm-hmm. i've seen a, i think brenda song did a fantastic job mm-hmm. voice acting this she does not sound like her Mm-hmm. Never seen her like that. And like her character arc is really interesting. The interaction that she has with the M- Madame Brothel about like, you know, what her ultimate goal is. Like one of the better scenes I've seen mm-hmm. in like the last year. Mm-hmm. Voiced by Ming-Na, of course. So like two absolute fucking <laughs> legends just going at it. Um, And then, you know, she makes a really interesting foil to Mizu, who like, you know, is wielding like, Though different ways women can wield power. Like, those are all inherently pretty interesting things to me. But, like, having to dig through, like, you know, casually, like, women getting raped and assaulted and, like, you know, killed left and right. And then I'm just like, um, can I, like, can I just get, like, that cut that doesn't have all that, like, superfluous, like, that stuff and like the weird the oh the the some of those sex scenes are so cringy <laughs> i know one of them that you know what i'm talking about right <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah so i'm glad you mentioned akemi and the uh brothel madam because this is something that i was really interested in because um having been a fan of harlots um a, a hulu ser- uh, british series that is uh, also set in a, i believe 17th century so it might be a similar time period Um, and that focuses on like how women of that era to have the most agency was becoming a sex worker right Um, because it was either that or get married and often marriage meant just being under someone's some dude's thumb and like doing everything he wanted including you know being hurt so like I get it and so I think there were a lot of good things that they tried to do especially with like Akimi's um storyline even showing the fetish brothel which was very fun i did um, enjoy that, that mina yes, one was like the madam of the of the freaky fetish brothel, brothel yes. so, <laughs> so what i think though is like you were saying is missing because they kept just using these 
these uh, prostitutes as like fodder. They, they were treating them just like another, you know, like supporting, like, uh, like when, like the episode six where basically Mizu kills everyone, like in a castle, right? It's kind of like yes. they were using them like that. And now it's just like, if they actually made that fully half of the story and just told everything from, you know, the point of view of these women and then, um, and had them as, you know, foils and stuff like that, it really could have been very interesting, I think. And um, instead of just using them as like support staff. Um, so I, yeah, I was bummed because there are probably the biggest issues I had. One other one, yeah, uh, are with the treatment of the women. There's one other one, and it is uh, Ringo. But <laughs> oh, is it the treatment of people with disabilities in yeah. this show? This is weird, right? It's also yeah. weird. I clock that. Yeah, I mean, so Ringo is a very gentle giant of a character who works in a noodle shop. And he's just very pleasant, but he's also very helpful. Um, he 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 doesn't have the use of hands, and so you know they show him uh, using tools by like being able to you know bind stuff to his stumps or whatever. But the thing is, I mean, when you are creating any sort of character with a disability, first of all, even of an, in a live action, like that in and of itself, like needs to have a lot more authenticity, you know. First of all, in casting. So this is animated. So you can't necessarily say that. But in the character itself, like, why are you having this character? And it's just like, there's a whole lot of like, I'm not sure. And of course, his main sort of thing is he's trying to become um, Mizu's sort of like apprentice and helper. And so he constantly, his, his refrain is, I'm helpful. I'm helpful. And it's almost like, are you saying this just to prove because you don't have the hands? And so I, there's a lot of weird feelings I have about this character who's in general very charming. Um, but because they make a point to constantly point out like um, his disability, I feel like that is not the thing that um, that they find the most important as far as when he, they created this character. And so I, yeah, I agree. I, I felt really uncomfortable. There's also like his personality, which is like, you know, he's a very he has some great lines. Don't get me wrong. Like and and he's like a soba chef. And, you know, we start the show with him and he's just like very charming, very, very some good lines. But it's like this. There was like in that first episode. I'm just like, is he also mentally disabled? Like, I'm very confused. And I'm just like, ooh, like it's a little heavy handed. They definitely infantilize him as a character. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And and then the way they handle some other disabilities. So we have, you know, the sword father who is blind. Mm-hmm. And then I think the, one of the most egregious is the side character. There's a side character in a later episode who is not only mute and deaf, but a woman mm-hmm. and sexually exploited. And I'm just and the, that story arc, I'm just like, yeah. All of these, why? Like, why? (laughs) All of these are, they are creating, this is kind of like my issue, let's say, with K-dramas, right? They create a character with a disability just to make a point. It's never because that is an identity of a person. You know, just that, that just happens to be part of them. And so it's always to create extra pathos or something. And I don't like feeling either a that they're treating these people they're not treating these people as uh characters as people but also or b that they're just trying to manipulate the audience using these like really lazy character tropes yeah it definitely feels like it's a crutch that didn't need to be there because like we mentioned the pieces of a really good story they're all there it's just like 
some it's it it's just um are all there so the fact that they had all that but still wanted to lean into like it kind of felt like they're going for maximalism when they didn't really need it right but but it's like you already have like blood splurting out of people's throats like you don't need like it's maximalist already like you don't (laughs) you don't don't need all that like you don't need the iffy stuff that makes people go it 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 also is like not to say that they could have done this but like it would honestly have made more sense if there was a sword sword fighter or ronin or whatever who was missing a limb because at least then it makes sense and then like if that person fights then you know whatever then they don't have to constantly say look i'm helpful um so it just i don't know there's just so many things about that that do feel like uh sort of throwbacks and and that's to a different era right right a, a different era of storytelling as far as the way like they were made in like let's say the 80s um and so and 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 part of me feels like is it because they referenced those sort of you know stories and that's their main sort of point of view is like that's how those stories got made and so uh and this is where the modern view should actually do better um yeah i feel like it's more that because the parts of the story that work were like the central like the revenge plot the plot the parts that didn't work were all like the other things the representation things to be yeah. honest right? like, the one the that was like trying like, to be like oh yeah like oh that's it's ec- the that like added like it's extra important because xyz yeah like, it's mm-hmm. extra it's extra effective or sad because we're talking about like you know xyz and, and the, yeah like, and i think the reason for that is because our especially if we've seen stories that touch on the specific um themes advance over the last like 10 years of like Asian American, Asian inspired storytelling that it does feel like this is kind of going back to 101 of uh, representation, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's like how it happens with every marginalized group. You have like the, the magical person of color. So in here you have the magical disabled person who is like the sword master. And it, it's almost like, see, their disability doesn't do doesn't mean anything because they you know know how to make swords and they have wisdom and I'm just like oh we don't but the blind sword master has been like a samurai trope like Zainichi isn't that the the blind samurai (laughs) it is very true and look I grew up watching like Jackie Chan being a drunken master you know there's a lot of like tropes for sure but I I also do think that you know if we are up you know using this you could still update things and you yeah. know, poke fun at it um, or like. I did also enjoy like, Sword Dad though, played by um Carrie Hiroki. I thought <laughs> like that's the thing. I feel He's like all the voice boy. actors yeah. really brought a lot of great mm-hmm. like groundedness to all their characters, maybe except Darren Barnett, but it's fine. His character kind of is boring <laughs> piece of. <laughs> His character was very like not a blip to me. We could have not had. We could have not had him. Yeah, and I'm, focused I'm, on other. We can things. talk about this yes. in spoiler zone, but Let's I was talk not spoilers. It, I did not like that they were building a ship for him and Mizu because, like, okay, this boy. Can we is talk a about movie. that then? Can we talk about <laughs> yes. that? All right, all right, all right. So, I'm just this is another is tism XYZ thing. I'm like kind of annoyed at this show for doing. Uh, okay, it's like you said th- again. We're in 2023. Mm-hmm. We're writing in 2023. Okay, if you're gonna put all your modern Western sensibilities on this show, anyways, I'm like you, the core character is like a woman who has lived her life as a man, disguised mm-hmm. as a man. Um, and I feel like that was 
that's really interesting. And like, there was a lot of questions about like, oh, like, what does that mean? Like, you refer to her as like they sometimes. I'm like, are we talking non-binary? And like, no, it really doesn't matter. Like, they just bulldoze what could have been a very interesting, thoughtful, queer like mm-hmm. thing to be like, like they went out of their way to make sure you knew she was not trans, not non-binary. She just has to do this for like practicality. And then they, I feel like they throw, you know, they throw in that like 12th hour, like weird (laughs) shippy thing to try to make, drive that point home. You're like, that is the the least interesting choice you could have made. And I'm just like, this is so disappointing. And like, I'm like, I'm, I'm like I, I would like, be. Why make her a cross-dressing? Why make her a cross-dressing swordsman if like you're not gonna explore that? Yeah, I'm. I'm going to be the iceberg that will sink the ship because you know I was so upset when this happened because they were telegraphing this for a little bit, like a few episodes uh, in, and when of course she goes to the. Uh, the the brothel i was really hoping that she was having an awakening there um because it's like something for everybody and i also just feel like mm, her and i can't I mean we saw like bisexual yeah. mm-hmm. like there's pegging in this like yeah. <laughs> uh you know like there's a lot of there is like queer relationship scene in this and it's not exactly like it's not like vilified mm-hmm. in in the show but then like you didn't want to go there when honestly the best chemistry that Mizu has is fucking with Akemi. Yeah. Like, yeah, bro, that was like, what the fuck? Yep. So, uh, <sighs> missed opportunity. And, and it just feels like another like bait. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like a baiting. And I feel like this show does just a lot of baiting on a lot of levels. Yeah, we didn't even get enough gay panic from Tygen when he gets Tygen. the CG boner, which... Lots of CG boners in this show, more than I was expecting from like a lot of dicks. Yeah, a lot of penises I I saw. It was funny "Mm." because I was talking about this show to a fellow uh, TV critic of um, Angie Han, and so I was like, "Yeah, this is a lot uh, hornier than I expected it to be." And then we watch poor things, and then I was like, "Oh well, now Blue Eye Samurai is nothing to me." Like, oh, (laughs) poor things is super exciting. (laughs) Yes, so exciting. So just so you know. All right. Well, there's still a little bit more to discuss, but we're going to save that for the spoiler zone after um, we close out the podcast. So stick around if you want to hear us dig into some of the more um, spoilery parts of our discussion. Uh, But before we get there, got to ask, um, is Blue Eye Samurai good pop? (laughs) This is a tough one because I do think it's important to have these conversations. I just wonder if the average person, you know, watching it uh, will have these conversations or not. and I want to support so many people. And there are half interesting things going on with it. I'm, I have to say I'm very mixed. Honestly. Uh, oh, yes. Oh, like like the sword? Yes. Like the main character? Are you very I mixed? I am my, a mixed metal. Oh, my God. Are you mixed? Because, you know, being mixed makes you stronger. Oh. oh. Okay. Um, no, I, I feel the same way. I honestly, personally, will probably fall if they get a, another season. I might, like, read what's going on i don't think i'm gonna watch i would tune in for another season i think the the some of the sins and some of the baggage i just i just i personally just if this is just for fun like i'm Mm -hmm. i don't need to spend time in this world just for fun i I can get my gratuitous revenge stories in other places yeah i think i lean more towards good but just 
barely. Like like I mentioned, there's a lot of things that they do that I really enjoy. Like the, the fighting, the fight scenes are choreographed really well. I mean, they really make use of the fact that it, it is a computer-generated show to really, you know, add dynamic scenes to like the fight scenes that are very much drawn from like classic samurai movies. Um, and I did enjoy the acting. Um, I didn't think I would. I was actually pretty bummed that there is no Japanese track available. I even mm-hmm. went looking. It's mm-hmm. only available in American and other like European or romantic languages. Mm-hmm. Um, but after the first few like minutes, you kind of kind of get into it. Um, but at the same time, it does really take you out of it because you're hearing American voices, voice characters that are set in Edo, Japan. And I think that adds to like the the Marco Polo-ness of like the mm-hmm. viewing experience, which is like something's a little off. But at the same time, it was fun to hear Randall Park play a Randall Park tinted villain character. Uh, I think he did a really good job playing um, um, Shindo, the the, 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 the sniveling like merchant. Yeah, he's great. Like all the acting's great. Um, I would be curious to hear what the Japanese think about it because not to draw too much of a parallel, but like Ridley Scott's uh, Napoleon, which actually is half a comedy it's supposed to be but also and not an unintentionally a comedy like french critics were not kind to this movie and he was just like basically like f the french critics they don't even like themselves sometimes and i was just like well (laughs) it's legitimate even if you're making a half comedy history that they would might have something to say about their own history and so i would probably say the same thing like with this it's like i am curious to see like what the comments are from the Japanese because like while some things like they enjoy from the US this is their history <laughs> so um I know they didn't watch Oppenheimer so I don't know what they feel about this is not quite I, the same I don't, level I actually yeah but like I don't know what's more egregious like yeah. the like white lens this white American French too that's also bad the French are fucking racist too yeah. like that's we can't forget that if they're the ones animating it like, um, you know, is it like a like what's more egregious? The whole like white lens on like this Japanese like period or Japanese culture, or like the male lens on like this like female like revenge story that is like rooted in like sexual violence in a way that just like men don't really experience as like to the same level. <clears throat> or like, you know, honestly, it's probably the intersection somewhere in the both with the intersection of like disability representation and like an intersectionality of something else of like LGBT representation. They hit it's, everything. It's all in, they really, they really managed to get none of that. Right. <laughs> it's intersectional in the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it feels like um, the next season is going to take place in England, I guess. So uh, maybe that's better. Yeah, that's maybe probably that's better. better like honestly. maybe that's better for them to like stay in like, western Mm -hmm. historical white period and then you know puff that with a bunch of fun character british character actors like just i'd rather like no represent like less representation Mm -hmm. if you're gonna like do it like so poorly or like so like borderline damaging um versus you know like just just stay in your lane yeah i would totally i i think that (laughs) would be a, a more palatable uh season for me yeah all right. Well, that'll do it for a discussion of Blue Eye Samurai. Um, well, that'll do it for a spoiler-free discussion of Blue Eye Samurai, um, streaming now on Netflix. So before we move on to our spoiler zone, Jess Han, if people want to find out more of your thoughts, where can they go? I'm on Twitter. <laughs> at just you tweets. 
I'm also there just because, um, but I am also slightly more active uh, on threads and other places, uh, Instagram. I recently joined a Discord. I don't know if you can join me. Um, I just, yeah. So look for my name, Anonymous, elsewhere. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Marvin Yue. You can find our show at Good Pop Club. Uh, we are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Check out our fellow Asian American hosted podcast by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. But yeah, happy Thanksgiving. Um, stay tuned for our spoiler zone for Blue Eye Samurai. And we'll see you all next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. gets a little crazy sometimes. Sometimes it's confusing, sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's beautiful, and sometimes it can just piss us off. Enter First of All Podcast. It's a safe space for real conversations about the things that we all struggle with, celebrate, contemplate, and work through in our daily lives. I'm your host, Mindy Chang. I'm an actor, filmmaker, and entrepreneur with a colorful background, a full life, and brilliant friends who I love to unpack life with to share with all of you. They are everyday people like you and me, ranging from award-winning artists, cultural icons, powerful CEOs, my hilarious childhood friends, and even my mom. Tune in for honest conversations on mental health, dating, sex, family, career, culture, and everything in between. Listen to First of All wherever you find podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. All right, welcome to the Blue Eye Samurai Spoiler Zone, um, where we'll be talking about Blue Eye Samurai with the spoiler safeties off, which meaning that we'll be talking about plot twists, um, revelations, and things that we didn't get to talk about during our regular discussion. Jess, there's something burning in you that you want to get off your chest, right? I mean, there's several things, but like, okay, number one, can I talk about the atrocious sex scene? Mm-hmm. Where Akemi and so bad and Tiger are having sex, and she has to like use sword penis metaphors the entire she, time so she, he can come. She's the I'm one instigating like, this, and it's so and gross. She's, yeah, and I'm just like, I don't understand why. I mean, I mean, I guess this part of her arc is just like, girl, why are you so into this man? He is so like nothing. And such a little bitch after he loses. And I'm just like, like that, that was the moment where I was like, this is some white man nonsense. This is like a <laughs> white man fantasy. Cause nobody, no woman, I don't care how much you love your man, is when he's acting like a little bitch like that, is gonna be like, oh, like, yeah, like let's let's, you know, like like I can understand comforting him, but like the whole the 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 sex to climax with penis sword metaphor i could not i was absolutely not i was actually super surprised that he remained a main character throughout the Mm -hmm. entire series because he does nothing because he does nothing he gets he gets fucking decimated by mizu gets gets fucking tortured for like four episodes and then it's just like there for what causing problems i mean they set him up as like a disposable like goon right he is the bully that bullies mizu as a child and is like bragging about moving up in his station and like marrying the lord's daughter right before he gets like destroyed i thought he was just gonna get killed in the second episode or the in the first episode and that's all 
that's all we I hear mean, from him. He he should have because I don't like I there's no there's he's nothing going forward to anybody's story. Like I don't understand how he fits into yeah, anyone's story. For like, revenge story. over it. <laughs> yeah. One it, of the best character yeah. arcs where she's like fuck this. No, I'm <laughs> I'm going to stay. I need to yeah, be great. I'm going to rule great. Yeah. yeah. For revenge story, she doesn't really revenge on the people who wronged her that often. Mm-hmm. Like the two people that wronged her the most in the series, her childhood bully and the maybe father, they don't die. None yeah. of them die. Yeah. Instead, Tygen, the loser, not only just gets some sort of a redemption arc, but he's also set up as a love interest. I, <laughs> it's just Worst. baffling. Oh, just terrible. Totally Which is baffling. Like, 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 that's why I'm like, you could have cut him out and given any one of these women who mm-hmm. you just like, Introduced so you can kill them after you making them like a a an exploitation of like sexual violence, like a, like a victim of sexual violence. And I'm just like my rules, like if you're going to make someone a victim of sexual violence, they have to have their own voice. Like that's the point or else you are just, you know, victimizing further, even if they are like fictional characters. So I'm like, why are you showing me all these fucking sex workers Telling, showing me they have a li- miserable life and then just killing them. And I'm just like, yeah, the yeah, we know the <laughs> most egregious. And I think I was just like, why did this TV show do this was, as you mentioned, the um, the prostitute character who does not speak is also deaf, um, who the brothel madam has a really close relationship with. And so uh, and when Kinoyo is taken um, you know, the madam's like, oh, Mizu, like, I have this request. And they're like, oh, okay. And Mizu's like, okay, sure, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll like kill everyone and get her back. And she's like, no, you gotta kill her. And I was like, what? That's insane. That's insane. And then like at the end of the day, it's like, oh, she did, you could have not killed her and just had Mizu kill everyone else. Cause that's essentially what happens. Like they don't even do it in the story to give Kinuya like her own agency to be like oh yeah. at the very least he could have been at the end she's like oh I'm finally free like I'm a jump like very morbid but like you know I'm a jump or like I'm a take I mean there are a lot of people kill themselves in this movie like it like this whole like again western perception of honor and like some puku like she could have sapuku herself if we we're going that route like yeah the fact that like the stakes were her- reversed the very next yes. episode and the fact that like she did not want to be mercy killed right no <laughs> like, no she when, seemed very when, scared when and did, not want did the sign language sign. i love you or whatever to at the end it's like she'll understand it's like no fuck that i, I want to live and then mizu mm-hmm. kills her anyway which is i'm just yeah. like oh. I, I i thought mizu was going to like figure a way not to kill her and then lie to the madam nope um, and there's so, there's uh, yeah oh, there's also like this very insinuous like there's this very insinuous narrative where like it is better to die with your quote unquote honor slash like virginity like sexual purity intact than to be alive if not but like exploited and I'm not saying like living a life where you're like you know essentially raped consistently is great. But it's like it's it's just like a very harmful narrative to be like oh like like dying you know like it, it's I mean they definitely wanted to have her take it too because like being subjected to sex work is shown as like a dead end but at the same time also a way to come into your own power and be like girl bosses right yeah yeah it it it, it was an inconsistent story honestly it was that one that was the thing that actually bothered me the most <laughs> out of everything and, in the show. Uh, yeah and like 
it's also just like egregious because again, we're doing a show about Asian women, but it's let's be real, it's it's we're really talking about Asian American women because yeah. this is a this is not dubbed in any mm-hmm. language that the Asian people can see. Like this is obviously an American show, so by proxy there are Asian, Asian American women and like just women in general. And I'm just like Oh, like you to me, I'm like, you need a very deaf hand if you're going to be talking about sexual violence against Asian women. Like I thought the last three years taught us that Um, there is no deafness. There is no there is no subtlety. It is not handled very well. And I'm just like, yeah, like this was made in 2023. Like what? (laughs) It's even more egregious. I don't know what you guys have on your, not even more, but also like pointing to like in that same vein, I don't know what you guys have on your Netflix queue. My image for this show. Oh, it's when the I geisha? pause it. It's that fucking like geisha anime bullshit with her like disrobe, like all sexy staring at you from like a co- around the corner. And I'm like, that's not what this show's about. What the fuck? Like it looks like the Tao ad. Yeah. Like, like this, it just screams like me love you long time. And I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm just like, why? Yeah. So, <laughs> which is it's so yeah. sad because I'm just like, oh, like there's some like pretty kick ass shit in this, but it's just like, why? <laughs> why? Yeah. I was really, I was, <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I mean, since it's a spoiler zone, what did we think mm-hmm. of her, the fact that she didn't kill the white man? She, talked about killing the entire <sighs> episode uh, the entire series i is here here again i was just like yes i love kenneth brana his, his character was pretty damn cool but at the same time if she has two other white dudes kill that's two more seasons at least so you could have killed him or done something to him that like would have been satisfying yeah uh, yeah a little a little more violence at the end of the day like cut off a hand at least i think it's inconsistent that she ends up sparing him so that she can he can lead her to the other two just because he said he's the only one like if if we were like the char- like and i don't know if that's character development of her being more merciful or not but like i feel like you should just stab the dude the dude like fucked you up the entire series it's, it's like but but then but then like as a viewer, I'm just like, oh, does that mean you get another Kenneth Branagh talking about like eating his sister's kidney? Like that's pretty like <laughs> it, that's so like classic like you know that's like Richard the Third. That's like uh, Titus Andronicus. You know that like he's he's calling in his Shakespeare roots, right? And and it's so who it's do you th- like so who do you it's think like should play that part's yummy. So who do you think should play the other two British dudes? I feel like we need like some scene chewing Brits, right? We need like a Mac- Michael Shannon or like a. Uh, I mean, does David Tennant wait, do? Would David uh, Tennant wait? Work? Are they? Are do we know that they're all British or do we just know they're white? They're just white. Oh, but they're in London though. Oh, okay. or not Michael Shannon? Who, who am I thinking of? I mean, who's Aziraphale? No, in, no, um, Michael Shannon's who you're. Oh, oh, I know who you're oh, thinking oh, of Michael Sheen. Michael, Michael Sheen. Sheen. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I like him. Yes, he's right. Is he friends with Ian McKellen? There's Patrick Stewart. Like, there's a lot of brave finds. There's a lot. There's, there's a, a lot, lot of white old dudes you can get. I mean, um, you know, I mean, the, the it's it's historically speaking, you know, like the the Portuguese were like the only ones who could trade with Japan for a while. So I'm wondering, you know, we're getting any weird like non English stuff coming in. Um, but it, it's also like it's interesting because like he's. 
Fowler is, was he, the accent was very inconsistent. So was he like supposed to be Scottish or was he supposed to be? he's Scottish or Irish, I want to say. Like, Which is weird a- though, because, no, but he has to be UK British though, right? Because like, that's like the colonial bag. So maybe, Scot- maybe Scottish? Well, he talks about the Tudors. So I'm like, the Tudors were Welsh. Oh, um, it's, it's kind it's of a, hard to place the accent. Fowler is, I believe, Irish, but which is also like a weird thing mm-hmm. because the Irish are not known <clears throat> colonizers. Like they're not; they were the colonized. They were also colonized. Yeah, they were the closest. Yeah, like like they actually were like very being very very oppressed by the British this entire time. So it's like an, like I'm like oh like is he not supposed to be just like straight English? Um, so that was interesting. Yeah, because we're um, still like a hundred years away from like Matthew Perry coming and like the Americans fucking shut up. Yes, you must mm. open the ports. Boom, boom, boom. Matthew Perry, RIP. Um, <laughs> not the same. Not the same. <laughs> I know, Perry. I know. But uh, yeah, there's just, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm uh, just like, there's just so many. And the, yeah, just some of these sex scenes are just like, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it was just, just odd. Um, so Han, you're not excited about um Tygen's gay panic all next season when he not tries at all. to tries to so, um, so justify th- his attraction to Mizu. Yeah, I think man. you hit on something that was also highly disappointing to me because I love the whole woman historical woman dressing as a man because you know that's the way she can get some like equality, right? And especially when it comes to revenge and also fighting the again fight scenes were amazing choreography was so fulfilling when i talk about like bad martial arts choreography this is not it like finally you get something good but uh, how can you destroy a trope that i love by giving just a horrible 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 love interest like uh he's like does he have any redeeming factors no no no, like he looks like he, sexy. I mean, guess he like he's tall and he yeah. looks like sexy Squidward. I mean, yeah. we're gonna learn that he actually was trying to stop the kids from bullying her back then, but oh no, couldn't because no, of pride no, no, and no, to, no. He was the leader. Then, right? Like th- this is also like they do this a lot in Asian, you know, media, which is well, especially like in the F four, you know, Boys Over Flowers. The lead bully is the one who falls for you know the girl or whatever. But I never buy those either. <laughs> So no, 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 that's true. It's very 80s. Like that mm-hmm. is very like 16, mm-hmm. you know, like John Hughes S. And I'm just like, guys, we're in 2023. You can just make her gay. It's okay. And, like, or they didn't give me enough reasons to possibly accept to Tiger. For him. Yeah. Yes. There was nothing yeah. the character. He did have a redemption arc. I would have preferred him being like a Javert character who was just obsessed with beating her the entire time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, he's such a little, he's just so weak. Like he's like a little weak ass bitch in like every factor. Like he can't, he, uh, and then like after all that weird thing, he's like, oh, we'll go back to Kimmy because she's a woman and like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but also, but um, props to George Takei. Some of the best voice work I've heard from him mm-hmm. in a while. Um, I feel like this is finally a role he got to cook in a little bit. Usually they give him like cameos, but yeah, love I mean- Seki, the one man who didn't suck in this whole movie, <laughs> the whole series. Yeah, he's like the practical nanny character, right? Who like, but like, who came back and was like, you, you, that's what you want. Like, you truly heard Akemi, and like, you know, like one of the big themes is this is like agency, it's freedom, it's it's yeah. what you will do to get that. And you know, he was, you know, he was too pure for this world. He had to go. 
Yeah. Uh, we saw that coming, right? It, <laughs> it was very like, this is my last case. Um, does this count as barrier gaze or because we don't really know Seki's? Uh, yeah, though. we don't know. I just. Um, but definitely, I think Jorsake and Brenda Song are both, they both have experience in voice acting. So you can mm-hmm, definitely mm-hmm. see that come out in, in the performances. Um, I think Maya Erskine did a pretty decent job. Yeah. Um, she didn't have to emote that much. Um, what did you think about, I know you guys talked about this, but the episode that like is kind of standout, but for like mixed no. reasons, like there was kind of a standout, uh, is the episode where you dive into her her backstory and how her mom didn't actually die and how she was actually married to another terrible guy for a little bit and interspersed with like, there's a really cool puppet um, framing during that episode. But like the fact that like, that was the episode where like, where they were like, Oh, by the way, she's totally straight. Right. Yeah. Basically they show that Mizu at one point married just to kind of please her mom who she realized it was like, oh, never died anyway. So, okay, mom, you know, not only will I do this. And we because- learn it's not actually her real mom. And then at the end, we find out it's not her real mom. So, anyway, she did this thing for her mom. Um, but basically, it was to support her mom's drug habit. Um, uh, I think she was into opium, right? Um, yes. Which, no judgment. It's really, really bad. <laughs> um, but at the same time, it was just like, so she gets married to this guy. And at first, you're just like, they try to make you think it's a really good love story but of course you're, the whole time you're kind of like i don't buy this <laughs> i was kind of rooting for the guy at first he seemed like a cool he dude. seemed okay Played by byron man by the way right oh great, great nice. job great job i liked the character like how he was created all this other stuff but then so it gets to the point where he's like um she, he finds out that oh she actually has worked with a sword and so he's like don't hold back i want to know the real you whatever and so they fight and of course she defeats him and then he's like you're a monster yeah so <laughs> I, I don't did he know betray her because reveals... he felt bad for he he like felt like his he felt emasculated for losing was that like his reason that kind of was what i was getting from but yeah. it was like not really clear and i mean that fight was really good it was like it was like one of the most like kind of like sexually tinged like when you talk about how like that was better fights mm-hmm. are like star wars sex right and this mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. this fight was like samurai sex right uh, yeah i mean i thought the like the the storytelling the structure was really interesting it was like a mm-hmm. fun episode but like it but like i, I don't understand the why why yeah. like why they chose to no. take time out of the story to do this because it doesn't really show us anything new about Grizu or about the world like yeah, men men suck and patriarchy's bad. Like but we your get mom to see sucks as a femme. Yeah, I don't. I, she I don't look think too that happy necessary. about that. Yeah, that, um, that totally wasn't like, needed. And I I the whole time was wondering what is the point of this episode. Um, it's like if we're gonna do a bottle, what are those called? Like a bottle, bottle episode. Neck, mm-hmm. bottle, if we're gonna do a bottle episode, like give me a bottle episode about like Madame Kaji yes. or even like a Kemi. Mm-hmm, like I think mm-hmm. or. Or, you know, even like, I mean, I, it should be a woman, but like, mm-hmm. actually, I would have taken the Seki bottle and her bottle, mm-hmm. sure. bottle episode, like Issei, like and anyone like else would have been, I think, more kind of reve- maybe been another opportunity to re- reveal another layer about this world. Maybe that could have been actually that maybe that should have been the Tigan one to like built some sympathy oh, about right. what his life yeah. was like and what his childhood i mean his childhood probably sucked too but um you know like you know something that yeah. like doesn't like just reiterate the same thing we've been watching for the mm-hmm. last few episodes. i mean they kind of touch on his like being abused as a kid and like maybe that's why he uh, like bullied 
mm. uh, Mizu, but it wasn't yeah. it wasn't enough. No, no. Yeah. Oh, Great Harry Sean Jr. Though. played the second prince. I didn't realize that either. Ah. He seems like a sweet boy. Yeah. <laughs> He's like Tommen, you know, yeah. like Mr. Pounce, like little, yeah, little sweet man. Um, you know, not. Yeah, so, I mean, sorry, I mean, honestly, sorry, even your bird. Here's two replacements. Yeah. Even, <laughs> even like, yeah, even like Crazy's mother-in-law like is more interesting than Tygun. Like she's a bitch, but you know, interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, like fucked up and interesting, vicious. Yeah, she's like <laughs> burn those fucking lords, man. They should have killed themselves when they oh. had the chance. I'm like, all right, all right, girl. It did feel like they designed the characters to kind of resemble the voice actors, right? Because Tygen did look like if Darren Barnett was full Japanese, kind of had the same... He did have those cheekbones. And Ming-Na Wen's character, Madame Kaji, definitely looked like Ming-Na Wen. It is wild to hear Ming-Na Wen say shit like... That was fun. Like like cussing (laughs) and like being like, you know, talking about fetishes. I'm like, oh, it's like your mom saying some out of pocket like oh mom you have that in you yeah i did enjoy like the 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 freaky brothel where we realized that all these great swordsmen are all subs like they all want to be dominated and i do think that was like one of the more interesting Mm -hmm. like threads they were pulling about like oh like men just want to be like and it's like in this patriarchy right like that's taboo and like they just want to be spanked and diapered and yelled yeah. at like oh that's really interesting I, I loved it because this is like this is the episode of like non-kink shaming that I think we've been missing right <laughs> from yes. all of these um, so yeah that was probably and, one of the more interesting and, ones and the women in her purview seem to have more agency right yes. so like we're talking about like how to show sex work and like you know like oh like they're getting paid they are they're, they're doing stuff I saw a foot being tickled, you know, pegging Fowler with a with a mask. Uh, was there an octopus at one point? There was an yes, octopus was, at one there point. There was um, there was feudal Japan tentacle porn tentacle in this, porn into this show. Just staying consistent. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you know, that stuff came from somewhere, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, anyways, <laughs> um, I am curious about season two. Um, and what that would look like. Um, but I also totally understand um, if someone would not want to move on. Um, it does seem like the show is doing well. So um, I have a feeling. And it is set up for a season two, which was a little frustrating. Like, I kind of wish we had a little bit of closure, mm-hmm. i.e. Mm-hmm. Fowler being murdered by by Mizu. But, you know, that's just how, just, that's just how the Netflix engine works, you. right? Yeah. I'll check in with you. You tell me if season two is worth it or just give me the highlights yeah and then i will just you know if i want to experience this i'll just go walk outside as an asian woman it's fine (laughs) all right well with that that'll do it for our blue eye samurai spoiler zone Uh, thanks so much for sticking with us and yeah we'll see you all next time bye everybody Bye. bye bye